And the one who was on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. And then he said to me, Finally, it is done. I am the Alpha. I am the Omega. I am the beginning. And I am the end. Would you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth, the meditations of all our hearts, be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I don't know about you, but I love Halloween. I love Halloween. There's just something wonderful about people, both young and old, getting dressed up in costumes that draws forth a feeling of frivolity that feels almost completely absent in the world these days. And this Halloween in particular, it felt like a great pause and retreat from the never-ending horrific news cycle that is the world today. Rather than having all the same conversations about all the same stuff, for one night, people put on the masks, they put on the costumes, and they just let it all go. I know it was this more present than in our parking lot last Sunday for our trunk retreat. As I said before, we had over 200 kids from our community make their way from trunk to trunk, and our property was filled with laughter, with wrappers being ripped to shreds, and the monster mash. But perhaps the thing I enjoyed the most... More than watching kids go down the bouncy house slide again and again, more than my son dancing in his Luke Skywalker costume, was watching all of the parents. Because I recognize a number of the parents from our community. Some of them come to things like our flea market or our food distribution every month. But they seemed different. Because instead of the normal anxieties and the frustrations, for some strange reason, the parents appeared at ease. I saw smiles and giggles, and even the occasional sleight of hand removing a Twix from a kid's bucket for a quick treat when they weren't looking. You know, Halloween, Halloween is awesome, and it's really good for adults, it's also really good for kids, because underneath all the costumes and the candy, beyond the butterfingers and the booze, Halloween contains a recognition about the complicated nature of life, and in particular that life doesn't last forever. On Halloween, both the young and the old are forced to come to grips with the often avoided truth. Death is real. The bell tolls for us all. But for as important as Halloween is, particularly for people like us, Christians, all saints, what we're doing today is even more important. As I said before, it is a day set apart for us to remember those who are no longer with us. Churches have all different kinds of liturgies. They read the names, they ring a bell, they light candles, they tell stories. We remember those who are not here anymore. But in addition to what we do, All Saints also raises a lot of questions. Because as we think about those who have died, we start to ask ourselves, what are we really? Is there anything permanent in this universe? Do our lives have any real meaning? And those questions... Those questions can be far more spooky and frightening than anything we might have encountered on Halloween. But here's, here's a frightening thought that might put it in more perspective for you. When was the last time you walked through a cemetery? And while you were walking around, did you feel overwhelmed by the great assortment of names that you didn't recognize, names you never heard of? Have you ever thought about what it will be like for someone to walk over your grave one day, not knowing or caring at all? about who you were. Or maybe, let me put it this way. I have lost track of the number of families who have come to me with questions about what to do with all of the stuff 
that belonged to a person now dead. Sure, the big pieces of furniture will eventually find new homes, but what about that random box of newspaper clippings? What should we do with all of the old notes? Who wants all the sentimentalities that mean nothing to those who are still living? And you know what often happens to it? It all gets thrown away. Or still yet this, if you're not frightened enough. On Wednesday, on Halloween, my wife and I, we drove our son to his godparents' house so we could trick-or-treat with them around their neighborhood. And Elijah loaded up on gobs of candy, and he rejoiced in screaming, Happy Halloween! while he was still on the sidewalk, 20 feet away from the door. But at the end of the evening, as he was exhausted, we put him in his car seat and we drove home from Annandale, and we passed five rescue vehicles with their lights on and their sirens blazing. Five rescue vehicles going to five different accidents that happened on Halloween. And I looked it up. Did you know that there are more pedestrian traffic fatalities on Halloween than any day during the year? The majority of which happened to kids who were less than eight years old. Going through a cemetery and not recognizing a name. All of your belongings being thrown away after you die. Children dying on Halloween. Friends, if you are not sufficiently spooked... There's nothing more I can do or say. Because no matter what we are, no matter what kind of life we live, we all want to know the answers to some questions. Is death all there is? Do our lives have any real meaning? What happens if we die while things are unresolved? Are we going to be separated forever from the people we loved in this life? Because contrary to the Hallmark Channel or any other number of institutions, the biblical view of humanity is that if we were left to our own devices, if this was all there is, then our lives would end in emptiness. And we would truly and irrevocably return to the dust from whence we came. There is no amount of power, there is no amount of wealth, there is no amount of resources that can stop the inevitability of the end of our days. The bell tolls for us all. So I pause here while we are sufficiently frightened and spooked to read the scripture once again. And then I saw a new heaven. I saw a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. The sea, it was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard... I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God. They will be his peoples. God will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eye. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. And he said, write this, because this is trustworthy and true. And then he said to me, finally, it is done. I am the Alpha. I am the Omega. I am beginning. And I am end. Now I hope, I hope that having heard that a second time, it perhaps gave you goosebumps, or at least some comfort that you didn't the first time particularly after thinking about graveyards and leftover items and ambulances on Halloween. Because the true depths of this promise 
This promise from God Almighty in Revelation can only be felt when we've considered the alternative. This promise about no death, about no crying, about no mourning, about no pain only means something if we consider the alternative that it's not true. But this is the end of the story. And I know, I know that Revelation can appear weird and wild, but it's also wonderful. Because in addition to visions of beasts and flaming altars, it brings these moving images of comfort and hope to people like you and I who live in troubled times. Though, of course, what we consider troubled might pale in comparison to the early Christians. Because this letter, the book of Revelation, was written from a place of exile to a growing community who were experiencing horrific persecution. This letter, in different ways, claims that despite all appearances to the contrary, that the Roman Empire's power was not absolute, that only God reigns supreme. And so in Revelation, we get all these different images. There's visions and divine battles between good and evil, and all of them offer a lens into the truth that God is victorious, that no amount of physical abuse, no amount of religious persecution, no number of graveyards or leftover belongings or even ambulances on Halloween have the final word. Only God has the final word. And those things can sting. They can sting like nothing else on earth. They might derail everything we thought we knew. They can even bring our lives to an end, but they are not the end. There is a reason that this text, these words from Revelations, have been associated with, ink, uh, with uh, burial rites since the very beginning of the church. There is a reason we read these words when we bury our friends, when we bury our families, and even when we bury our children. It's because they are words of hope. They are words of hope for a people who feel hopeless. And of course, it might be difficult for us to imagine the kind of persecuted that necessitated the writing of this letter 2,000 years ago. Lives of fear and trembling, always on the run, trying to stay faithful, never sure of tomorrow. Because that's what the first Christians felt. Their lives were nothing but fear that tomorrow wouldn't come. Because the Roman emperor inflicted on the early Christians the most horrific things you could possibly imagine. And those Christians, they were the very first saints. They were our ancient brothers and sisters in faith. And without them, we would not have these words. Those saints risked it all for Jesus. They risked it all by passing this letter around that it might have gotten them killed. And so as, for as different as that might appear to us, maybe some of us do know their suffering. Maybe it doesn't come from some megalomaniacal leader who suppresses the words we read in church. Perhaps we won't ever fear for our lives because of our faith, but we have got plenty of things to be afraid of. We've got questions that keep us up at night. We know what it means to be spooked. We know that feeling in our pit of our stomach when we see an ambulance drive by. And the normative response to this kind of fear is a desire for control. We want to be masters of our own destiny. But to be very real, control, being a master, is exactly what the empire wanted of Christians. But the first Christians, they didn't want control. They didn't want power. The only thing they wanted was Jesus. Brokenness, it's all around us. It's in our schools, our churches, our government, our businesses, our national institutions. All of those things that we normally look to for stability and hope and even control. But all of them, all of them fall short of the glory for which they were created. 
And that's why John says, I see all things are being made new. That includes the countless and unknowable bodies buried in cemeteries. It includes the families and the friends and the spouses and the children we've placed in the dirt. It includes those lives that came to the end because of an accident on Halloween. It even includes us. I am making all things new. And so to read and to hear these words on a day like today is to be re-communed with every saint that's come before us, every saint that is in our midst, and every saint that will come after we're gone. We belong to and we believe in the communion of saints, past and present and future. And so friends, we can be afraid. We can lay awake at night asking those deep and profoundly existential questions. But being a Christian isn't about adopting a certain set of beliefs that prevent us from ever suffering or ever wondering or even ever doubting. Following Jesus is just being numbered among his friends. Because in baptism we are washed with the same water that Jesus washed his friends. In communion we eat the same bread and drink from the same cup that Jesus shared with his friends. Our stories, whether they are long or short, whether they are filled with joy or pain, are taken up and become part of the great story that is God with God's people. Because, friends, we know the end. We know the end. Desmond Tutu, during apartheid in South Africa, would shout out to the crowds, Keep fighting the good fight. Keep fighting. I know how the story ends. God wins. And we win too. And so it is in recognition of knowing the end, of knowing what happens in the end, everything that appears mundane or frustrating, the trivialities that keep us awake, and even the spookiest notions of our lives are outshined by something else. The one who is and was and is to come, the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end. God will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. This is the end of our story. So I offer to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Amen.